This is the Pete Wong Podcast, sharing the things that I love with those that I love. I've always wanted to talk about the things that I care about in life. People have told me time after time, why don't you just share more of you? And with that, let's go. All right, everyone. Welcome to this week's uh, Pete, the Pete Wong Podcast. I'm super excited uh, for this episode. This is actually our first episode that we're doing with our a guest coming in and interview uh, to interview. And uh, I'm super excited for all of you to to meet uh, today's guest. Uh, I've I've already uh, talked a lot about him in different episodes, and um, I couldn't think of a greater way to start this episode this first this first one with uh, with my guy. And uh, so I just want to just want to start off, you know, it began what about six years ago, I think, um, at, at a park in Pasadena. And uh, it began everything began with uh, yellow and black. This is what I remember. Yellow and black boxing gloves with Hello Kitty stickers on them. And uh, and from then on, from then on, uh, it's been it's been one thing after another. Uh, I love this guy so much. Um, this is uh, my my mentor, my my martial arts boxing coach, uh, my best friend, my family, my brother from another other, like no other, uh, <laughs> Guru Orpheus Black. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for thank you for joining us uh, today, Orpheus. That was probably the longest and most prolific introduction that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing I'm doing real good, and uh, looking forward to uh, sharing this space with you and uh, with with the listeners. So um, I I wanted to start out first. Uh, Telling people a little bit about you, uh, just through just through your the bio, and uh, and then uh, from then on, we'll, we'll we'll proceed. Sure. All right. So, Guru Orpheus Black. Orpheus Black is a public speaker, educator, thought leader, and sensual spiritualist who applies ancient wisdom to offer modern day solutions. He has cultivated a unique practice of rituals and spirituality to enhance intimate relationships and alternative lifestyles. He integrates Afro-Buddhism, psycho-sensuality, and the philosophies of martial arts. He is a coach's coach guiding others in deep explorations of self and shadow, kink and dominance and submission. He is the author of The Enzo, a philosophy of submission, an esoteric approach to awaken the repressed human animal within by utilizing ritual psychology and practical applications. Orpheus is a sensual evolutionary who is at the forefront of the healthy masculine movement. Orpheus speaks against society norms of shame and repression and instead offers insights and tools to dig deep into ourselves speak to who we truly are, and manifest the life and relationships we truly wish 
to embrace. I love that. Thank you. I love that. Uh, I've never actually had somebody read the whole bio. <laughs> you know oh, yeah? I mean? Like that's a that's a new one for me. Like, yeah. you know, what I mean, like usually people just like will will take it and, and grab it. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, I need to alter that part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always making changes to my bio, you know. So yeah. Anyway, thank you for reading it, and I appreciate it. Yeah. No. It's it's a. Uh, I, I, I it's it's. I think it really uh, says a, a lot in, in you know, concise, uh, you know, in, in a biography, uh, what, what you're about, but then, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're so much more, but uh, yeah. Um, wow. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? Um, I, I was wondering if, if you could share with us just a little bit about you. Uh, like, you know, where you grew up, uh, and then, uh, and then we're going to, uh, get, get more into today's topic. Okay. Um, I was born in Venice beach, California. Um, you know, I was pretty much an only child for about 10 years and then my brother came along and, um, I, I pretty much grew up in one of the hardest hit areas by drugs and, uh, you know, gangs and poverty, you know, during the 90s. So it was really a, a difficult time. But what we were, what I, what I got a chance to embrace was the spiritual nature of Venice Beach's boardwalk, where people were still having Hare Krishna festivals in the midst of a drug epidemic, where people were still doing artwork and, you know, cur curbside performances uh, in the midst of gang violence, you know, people were break dancing on the streets for money and um, and yet still avoiding the the perils of the situations that were surrounding us. So I think that I pretty much got caught up in a space where art and spirituality was kind of merging with uh, the gritty realities mm. of our of the 90s you know what i mean and so i think that's really what churned me and carved me and, and of course you know um like any person we chase money we chase uh fame and and, and fortune and we we go after all the wrong things for all the right reasons but what happened later on was to pull me back after you know hitting rock bottom and and having opportunities to really discover self uh, i got a chance to come back and evolve and grow uh in this way this spiritual way and um i think that a lot of the hardships uh the forced masculinity the the hyper masculine narratives that really pervaded mm. the uh the 90s, uh, you know, I'm sorry, the, the 80s and the 90s really carved me as a man, but it was the mm -hmm. richness of that environment that really enlightened me as a uh, being. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so a, a big thing about about the podcast is really wanting to share uh with others the people that that i know uh whether it's the 
the guy that I met at Wells Fargo or you know, a long-lasting best friend, a mentor, and really wanting to share with others out there the things that um, have meant so much to me. And so uh, I thought maybe we could uh, just start off telling the audience a little bit about, about our, our story, about, uh, you, know, the, you know, there's- You beating you up in the park? <laughs> well you always you always uh i remember one time we were telling the story it might have been at palm springs actually um but i remember uh that, that that when we when we tell the story and you you corrected me and you're like uh i i actually didn't i actually didn't hit you 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 just uh ran into every angle that uh your fist or you know which <laughs> months later actually let's not say months let's say years later <laughs> uh i i i get it like you know uh, those of you boxing uh mma fanatics out there uh or or fans you understand you know how uh boxing is is all about the angles and you know, after getting that, that knowledge, that training, that application with you, it's like at some point I got this light bulb like, oh, that's what he was saying about uh, not, not him throwing the punches, but actually just me running into the fist. And, you know, so yeah. well, I think on some level, you know, just to give people a more uh, a context for the conversation. Mm -hmm. I used to train with a group of people in a park and we had a, a group uh, called Lab Rats. Shout out to Lab Rats. We, we man, met you guys so much during this COVID. Yeah. But I had a thing because I wanted to test my boxing against people's traditional uh, martial arts uh, way of uh, modalities. And so somebody say, oh, I do Wing Chun. I'm like, yeah, let's box. He's like, I want to do uh, Mantis, which is what you came up with. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And I'm like, I want to dispatch them. But when I realized the last time we did it, because that was the last time I, I wanted to do that, hmm. um, was I realized that you're, you're like a lion behind a cage and I'm like a kid with a stick. You know what I mean? Like you're trapped in this way of doing things, this structure that is supposed to be there for you and unleashed when at the right time. Whereas boxers are taught to be free and to got throw the stick here, throw the stick there and drive the lion to the different parts of the cage. Yeah. Right. Whereas the lion doesn't understand that they're caged. Mm. You know, they keep running to their own bars. They keep running to their own confines. They keep running into uh, structures that are not beneficial to them. And that was what I realized at that moment. So when I say that I was picking you up on lines, you could say I was I was hitting you through the bars. You know what I mean? Mm. And so I think that's a big thing um, that we see as a metaphor for life. You know, where people are constrained by nothing, right? They're imprisoned by nothing. Um, Neverending Story was a whole story about nothing taking everything away from you. Right. And so a lot of people get imprisoned in this this structure of nothing that doesn't allow them to be free. And so for me, it was a brilliant uh, opportunity for me to realize that I was taking advantage 
in that space and not allowing and not telling people that they were in prison before they boxed. Right. And then, but it's also up to you to say, now I can see the bars that were keeping me from being who I need to be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never heard you say that in the exact uh, uh, same words, you know, with the bars. So thank mm. you for, for just dropping that. I love that. Yeah, man. You're lying, bro. You're yeah. lying. We, we, you're <laughs> lying loose on the street, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so at that time, I'll just, I'll give people, you know, a little bit more context. So at that time, I had never felt anything like that before. And, um, what was interesting was how, for some reason, whatever, whatever happened that evening, whatever, uh, physical action or, uh, an energy, uh, that I felt, I remember going home and for some reason I was like, I don't know what just happened, but I want more. And, uh, from then on, I, I just, I, I remember always, uh, seeking you out, you know, at the park and, um, and just like from then on, you know, you, you started, uh, taking me, uh, under your, it, I'd like to say taking me under your wing, but, uh, you know, uh, treating me like, like a, a prodigy, uh, like a, like a, uh, like a prodigy, no, no, like a, no, a pro, uh, protege. Don't protege. bang yourself too hard on the back, man. <laughs> I, what I meant to say was <laughs> Freudian slip. Treated like the prodigy. I know I am the Floyd Mayweather of martial arts. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather of Mantis. No. Okay. All right. There you so, go. The Floyd Mayweather of Mantis. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, it was just, it was just, a interesting, uh, timing and, uh, you know, looking back, you know, cause when you're, when you're doing it, you don't know, but when you look back, it's like, I was, I was hungry. I, I needed, I needed whatever it is that you were sharing. Um, but I think most of all, what what came through that was just who you are and just like your friendship and how we do martial arts um but just everything that you you share it, it was just at that moment in my time in my life i never had that before mm. and so that really made an impact in me uh and i think that um the martial arts was was a way to uh the boxing was a way to express uh some of these um as you were saying you know like in the, in the bars and 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 learning how to relinquish those previous thoughts or previous uh habits and programming that uh were once there yeah um, i mean yeah. you know anybody can be the elephant if he it thinks it's tied now you know what I mean? Like if it if it can't if it thinks it's in the in the trap if it, if it thinks it's bound, it you can beat up an elephant, but let the elephant loose, mm-hmm. and it, and it'll trample you, run you over, destroy you. You know, mm-hmm. and po- possibly look for everyone else in your family. You know yeah. what I mean? But but um, 
so what I realized at that moment in time it, for me was this person is not free and I'm taking advantage of it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not, it has nothing to do with your actual skill set. Mm. It has nothing to do with your actual heart. It's what you believe. You were trapped in a, in a thing that you felt was beneficial to you, but you saw that it wasn't, right? A cage is great to keep people out, you know, to keep mm-hmm. the lion in, but it's shit at keeping right. people out. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the thing. As a boxer, I want to get in. But every time I tag you, you couldn't leave the framework to tag me. You know what I mean? And so for me, we, again, have to understand our limitations, right? And what are limiters that are being placed on me and the, the limiters that we're placing on ourselves? Does that, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So um, I also, I also want to add in, add in there that, you know, so we, we trained martial arts boxing, uh, bare-knuckle boxing, um, and... Um, and then we we would we would start meeting outside of that, and we would uh, break, as our buddy Henry, you know, like to you know use the word break break bread. And dog. And uh, um, Hollywood Henry. Hollywood, <laughs> he's gonna kill us. He's gonna kill us through th- somehow, even through Zoom. He's gonna find right. Me. So, <laughs> so so t- today. We wanted we wanted to talk about uh, sustaining and and uh, maintaining meaningful relationships, uh, and between men, right? Between between men, yeah. yes, okay, yes. And um, so we're just, I'm, I'm, you know, we're just beginning to to share, you know, as as much as we can, uh, a little insight into into our friendship, into our uh, mentorship, you know, uh, brotherhood. And, um, but I think a big part of that is like, like you, like you've mentioned many times is, is you, you always ask people to, uh, go out to eat after training. Um, and, and you, as you said before, it's like, you want to, you want to, uh, make sure everyone's okay. Everyone's, you know, like, like you're checking in. And of course, at that time, I didn't know, <laughs> um, I was just, uh, you know, enjoying, enjoying the company and, uh, and whatever was, was, was growing and, uh, it was just, uh, life changing and still is, <laughs> still is. So, um, but I, I was wondering on, on, from your perspective, <laughs> uh, what, what, what were, what were your thoughts like, uh, you know, when you, when we first started hanging out and, you know, like, 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 who is this, who is this, uh, uh, davishing Asian man? No. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but I don't know. I'm just really curious, uh, you know, from your perspective, uh, what was, what was going on, you know, for, for you? Well, you know, I I felt like there was, uh, that you needed connection and family, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm always willing to, to be fat, to, to be that for and with somebody, you know what I mean? Like I'm signing up for a role, uh, in a person's life. And I understand that, you know, for me, many of my martial arts teachers let me down, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, let me down hard and, and coaches let me down hard. And, um, 
And I didn't want to do that to someone else. Right. So and so I'm like, well, this gives me an opportunity to be the person, be the change that I want to see in my martial arts lineage. Mm. You know, what I mean, like I've had martial arts teachers just shutter schools and you never hear from them again. You know, I've had people, you know, martial arts teachers borrow money from you and then just vanish. You know, I mean, I've, I've had martial arts teachers, um, you know, treat me like a you know rag doll in class, you know, because I was the biggest kid in the classroom. And so I got all of the abuse. So before teaching me how to fall and be, before teaching me how to, you know, get thrown or to throw other people, I was getting mopped around a, a dojo. And so I personally didn't want to do that to someone else. I wanted to see if I could be the person that I wanted those people to be. So that was the first thing that I was looking for to be in myself. And then I want to see who I could be for you. And if I could be that thing where I could be like a friend and a confidant and somebody who's going to be a, a, a firm presence, consistent presence in someone's life, that's who I wanted to be. So does that, I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay. It does. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool to hear that. Uh, yeah, that, that side, you know, uh, that side from, you know, coming from you. So thank you. That's great. You know, I wouldn't trade any of it, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like my, my, you know, I, I realized late, you know, recently that I can't remember most of my martial arts teachers names. Mm. And it's because they weren't around long enough for me to have a, for them to make a lasting impression on me. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, and so, but I wouldn't change it for anything. You know what I mean? Like these people took a chance on me and maybe as a child or a kid, I, I maybe said or did something or something that pushed them back. I don't know, right. but I wouldn't change it. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't change who I am or how I came about because I think that produced this. And I'm very happy with what this is at this moment in time, as far as martial arts and leadership goes. Maybe in some of the other you know places, I'm I'm definitely needing some help. But uh, but as far as this goes, I'm pretty happy. I'm happy. I'm happy too. I'm happy for you and yeah, for for you know, getting the opportunity to to meet you. And uh, um, so I think a lot of what we're talking about here uh, ties right in with um, what does it take to sustain you know deep meaningful. Uh, connections but first maybe maybe we should like define what what is that like what is what meaningful what is like uh, I mean obviously it's going to be our perspective but uh meaningful connections uh because I think a lot of people they hear that word and they don't quite Either they don't have it themselves, or they don't know how to how to how to have it. Um, but I I I thought you know it might be good to just uh, share maybe what what your thoughts are what uh, what makes that what makes a meaningful connection. Well, you guys, I want to hear yours yeah. too. Okay, okay, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think okay. first it's important to understand that we are meaning making machines. That's what humans are. Mm. humans make meaning out of everything you know that's why we have religion and faith and superstitions because we make correlations between you know this and that and we think that it has to mean something right, right? so 
there's always meaning being ascribed to everything all day at all times, but meaningful, something that's full of meaning, you know, this uh, is, is really important because the ones that we should be keeping are the ones that are most beneficial to who we are. The ones that we keep the most are the ones that make us feel the most, feel good, feel bad on some type of extreme. Sometimes what's best for us uh, as far as meaning are the ones that uh, mean things like, you know, stability. They mean consistency. They mean trustworthiness. They mean um, not complicated. You know, those are the ones that people don't focus on because they're not exciting. They're not moving us to one extreme or to the other. You know, it's like, I hate this guy. Well, you have a meaningful relationship with your hatred at this moment in time, right? Oh, I I love this guy. Well, you have a meaningful relationship with your attachment and or your amorous affections. So we swing to these extremes, but the ones that we kind of overlook and take for granted are the meanings. What does your mom mean to you? What does your dad mean to you? What does your brother mean to you? You know, we don't think about those meaningful relationships because they're not exciting and flamboyant. They're not verbose. They don't draw a lot of attention. But those are the ones that we need to invest in the most because they're constant. Uh, They're always there. They're going to enrich your life, whether it's now or later. Right. It's the it's the important workings of the machine itself that we very rarely point look to. We just see the machine as a whole. We don't see each little part you know and sometimes those littlest parts are the ones that are the most important they're essential to it running perfectly mm. yeah as you're as you're sharing i'm i'm, I'm like <laughs> i'm like wow like it's it's definitely something i've been working working on the last couple of years um but it really is it's like oh wow i'm guilty of that but then how I've been working on noticing those 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 intricacies, and uh, mm-hmm. so for me, so for me, it's from it's from our friendship that I feel like I learned how to value my my true nature, and I never knew that I could. I never knew that 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 was that was okay. You know, I, I didn't I didn't I never gave myself permission that that was okay. And so when I think about meaningful connections, it's when whoever you surround yourself with or or whether it's one person, two people or many, um they accept you as you are and it's, it sounds so simple, <laughs> like it sounds so like, yeah, everyone, everyone can do it, but not everyone chooses to, to, to do that. And, and um, I, I, do, I do also agree that it takes, it takes work, it takes effort. Um, I believe that in our friendship, we've, we've sacrificed we've, we've, for each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and in a sense... In a sense, I never looked at it like a sacrifice that I didn't want to do. 
but I looked at it like, uh, let, let's take something very specific uh, example. Uh, so we used, to, we used to train on Sunday mornings, what we call fight church. I just love that word. <laughs> um, and, and then we trained Thursday, well, we started to train Thursday nights. Um, and Orpheus is like one of the, he's the most consistent. Uh, he always showed up. And even when, you know, we, we, we laugh and joke about it, but it's so true. When you're coming back from a trip from Las Vegas, <laughs> you know, you're like, ah, oh, I'm going, I'm going to fight church. Right. And it's just knowing that that person that, that you, that you respect, that you care about, that you're looking forward to see is going to be there. And for whatever reason, like you don't have to have a specific reason or you can, but it's like, you can't wait for this person to be there. And then when they're there, it's just like, all right, you know, and you know, let's get to work or whatever. <laughs> um, but I felt like that's what I always wanted to bring to the table too, is uh, if this is going so great, so well that we're growing, I'm willing to put all the effort necessary to, to uh, I don't know if it's a proper way of saying like bridge, like, like, like you're meeting each other on that bridge. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like to look at percentages, but it's more like you just know that that effort is there, that dedication is there. And also um, the accountability. And so to me, it's like, when you're in that space where you can be yourself, where you don't have to be afraid, where you don't have to feel any, if, if you ever felt shame in the past, you don't, you don't have to worry about that no more. Mm -hmm. That to me is like the beautiful thing about, about uh, meaningful connections is when you, can, when you can just be yourself, but it does require work. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 Um, you know, we're always making either explicit or implicit agreements with each other. We're making them with the world. We're making them with businesses, clients. And what I've chosen to do is try to be as explicit as humanly possible. And let's talk about what explicit is. It means I'm being very detailed about my expectations and the expectations of others. I am saying literally that this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. I can be held accountable for it. I'm ex ex expecting everyone else to say who they are, what they're responsible for, and understand that I'm going to hold them responsible for it. That's an explicit conversation. Explicit conversations have both rights and wrongs, but I'm very detailed about it. Implicit conversations are ones where we imply what we are saying. It leaves a lot of room for thought or possibilities, or it, it's enforced by social conformity or cultural narratives to support uh, a dialogue. But, you know, so a person might say, oh, you, you want to hang out? What does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, that's not a literal statement. And I don't know what that means. Well, I mean, we, it can mean whatever, you know, we could do whatever. Yeah. I don't like 
implicit conversations. You know, I mean, I need a very detailed, you know, context of what we're going to do, who we're going to meet each other, because then I can give full consent. I can show up 100% because I know exactly what it is that a person's asking for me, right? And so we always do these implicit conversations because it leaves us a way out. Well, I never said we were going to go to the movies on Friday, but you said we're going to hang out. Well, I mean, I didn't say movies, though. I wasn't being specific, right? And everybody wants to leave themselves a way out as opposed to being a person of their word, you know, a man or woman of their word. If you don't want to do it, then just say, be explicit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Say what you want to do and what you don't want to do, or even better, say what you want to do with me and what you don't want to do with me. Those things for me are very important. Those agreements can last forever. They can have binds that that keep us together for a long time, right? But so many people are scared to, oh, well, it's going to sound horrible, or they're going to be mad at me, or they're going to, you know, I, I give two shits about you being mad at me, but, you know, I need to show up and be consistent. I need to make sure that I'm operating within my framework that helps me be a person of integrity. That's the only thing I can really speak to, right? And then what you tell me is what I hold you to. So I think for me, that's why I kind of do with any group that I'm in, you know, any any session, whether it's martial arts, whether I'm teaching or learning, you show up to me, be very specific with what it is, don't imply. Tell me what this arrangement is so I can understand, so I can hold up my bargain and I can hold you accountable so you can hold up, you know, to kind of, help you want to hold up your own right right yeah uh as you as you were sharing a thought came in my head about about uh a lot of people i think out there are for some reason <laughs> uh choosing to be in relationships where they feel fearful or you know that term walking on eggshells um and I think what you, you're hitting right on the, the point is, is that we don't have to be afraid to say what, what needs to be said, what we want to say. And uh, I, I, yeah, I hope I have that, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, in, in that area. Um, but I, I think with doing that, and this is, this is what I love, and I feel like this, this example uh, in what I've seen in you and how you live your life um, is creating that space where people can be transparent. You welcome transparency, but also you're saying it's a safe space. And because I think, I know, I know for myself, growing up, there was always this fear of, some, for some reason, like, like making a mistake or um, saying something that might hurt somebody's feelings, uh, but but yeah, I mean as <laughs> as I'm saying this, I, I realize like oh that's where it came from, <laughs> like you know childhood and, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's important, you know, to, to understand where it comes from. We, you know, an important. I think that we default to a way of thinking that is easier because it is easier you know like this idea that emotions are just some random thing that comes up 
they they're not controllable or something like that. But emotions are not feelings, mm. right? Emotions are concepts that you're applying to a very specific situation. And what we fear is the what I imagine in my head not lining up with reality, right? That's our fear, right? We're uncomfortable with the possibilities of these two, of, of what I think in my head actually coming to fruition, right? These are concepts that we're thinking about at all point in times. Case in point, point this is how this works. You, you're walking uh, down the street and you hear something uh, rustle the grass, right? And you're thinking, in your mind, you imagine a snake's going to pop out, jump, and bite you, right? Well, the next thing is, is the actual scenario, right? What actually is happening, right? And so one of three things can happen. A snake can actually pop out the bushes and you do exact and everything happens just like you imagined it. Nothing pops out of the bushes and now you have this reality and you're like, okay, no matter whatever. Or you can imagine in your mind, you can imagine and actually see a snake that is not there pop out. Right. There's only three things that can possibly happen. Right. But what will happen every time is your body will feel the stress pain, anxiety, regardless as to whether there's a real snake there, an imaginary snake there, or an illusionary snake, your body still feels the stress of that situation, right? So when we get tired and we're exhausted because we've mentally drained, it's because we've run so many scenarios in our mind that didn't pan out or happened exactly the way we thought or our imaginations are funneling more things in, but we drain ourselves and we have nothing to give to the actual uh, relationship. So we don't talk in specifics. We talk in these semantical imaginings that go on in our mind. Pete's going to be mad at me if I do if I say I can't make it. <laughs> and then he's going to do this and then we're not going to talk anymore. Then I call Pete up and he's like, no, nah, dude, it's cool. And then I'm like, shit, okay, well, he's cool, right? But for that hour that I was thinking that, my body was actually experiencing that. So what does that do to physically to our, our actual relationship? In my body, I feel like there's distance from us. Right? I feel like there's a distance. I feel things. I stay, All these things start coming up on a physical, I'm, I'm physically wanting to distance myself because in my mind, my mind told me that this negative thing happened. Does that make sense? So for me, explicit conversations, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to show up when I say I'm going to show up if I commit to that. And if I don't, I'm not going to. It keeps me from going through these cycles of imagining and construing relationships, right? We just stop altogether. Right. And it lets me show up 100 percent for the people in mind, body and spirit, as opposed to only showing up from a rational standpoint, having feelings in my heart and contrary things in my mind being divided across uh, many spectrums. So so for me, that's what I try to do with you and try and do with everybody else. Was that a long rant? I probably like that was probably the show. He's like, okay, good night, everyone. 
<laughs> and, next, and next week's episode. Next bro. week's episode. Oh. <laughs> Bring in John no. Travolta, who's going to talk to us about flying 747s. <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's like there was a lot there, but I was following along. And you know, you know what's great about you know what's great about you know it, it always takes me a while to warm up. You know that, but what I love about this is this is like us. Well, I do have Starbucks here, but this is like us when we were at Starbucks, right? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I go on my tirades. Like, <laughs> I go on my tirades. <laughs> but it's it's so great because a lot of what you're saying, I've been applying. I've been applying, you know, to, to, to my life. And it's just like, it's made, it's, it's, it's enriched my life so much to where I'm enjoying the moments so much that I almost forget anything outside of the moments. Mm -hmm. um, I do it all the time. <laughs> I'm so invested in this moment. It's like, shit, I got to run to that meeting. God dang it. Right now I'm in that anxious mode and everything. <laughs> I do it all the time, man. <laughs> They're like, you missed your, your two o'clock. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. I was so drink. I'm just sitting there drinking coffee, doing nothing, like just enjoying, <laughs> sipping the time. Hours go. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh. Uh, see, this, I mean, this is exactly the, the, the way that we're, the way that we're, uh, the listeners out there, the way that you're hearing us laugh. The way that it might, it, well, it's hurting my gut, but um, I don't know if it's hurting yours. But like, you as you rub your liver, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my liver, <laughs> my liver, my spleen, my heart. Okay, um, it's this is exactly what uh, our friendship is about. You know, our 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 relationship, our brotherhood. It's like it it it. it it, it's every time it's refreshing. Every time it's it's you know I I don't I don't have words I uh to describe it right now. But this is why why I wanted to do this today because I wanted to share just even a little bit. And obviously you're coming back. Uh, if 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 it, if you're okay with it, <laughs> I'm coming back. Oh, on the show later. <laughs> yeah, on the show. Yeah. You're already yeah. booking me uh, for another one. Let, let me let you talk to my assistant. <laughs> my manager will get back to you. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Let's get back on top. All right. So let's let's get into um specifically for men what and i don't know if am i am i assuming uh maybe i'm assuming but i feel like and you and i have talked about it also that so many men uh approach uh us when we're together or individually and say I want a place to talk. I want a place to share. I want a place to, I, I, I don't know, fill in the blanks. Um, but that's, you know, one of the main reasons why we, we wanted uh, to hit this topic today was to, to give some examples of, of, uh, of, you know, through our friendship, through our brotherhood, um, what we think uh, um, can, can uh, be the, the pieces for sustaining uh, deep and meaningful connections, um, but how do we, how do we, <laughs> how do we begin this conversation? Uh, well, let's about, let's yeah. talk about it like this. Yeah. One of the things that when I do these classes 
is there's two great questions, two questions that everybody has asked themselves at some point in time. Mm. Who am I and why do I matter? If you're not asking yourself that those two questions, then actually every other question that you're asking yourself is just stupid. Because we go into our relationship, it's like, I don't know who I am. Do I even matter to you? You know what I mean? When you go to your boss, I, I obviously don't matter to you because I would have got the raise. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm losing my identity in this relationship. I don't know that I matter. So who am I and why do I matter is the most important questions that anybody's going to ever ask themselves. So that's where meaning is extrapolated, Right. If you are a friend, that means you matter to someone. They know who you are, right? If you have a lover, hopefully she knows who you are. You matter to them. How do you know? They have factored you into their life. They have factored you into the work environment. They have fa- You are a factor in what's transpiring. If you want to know who you are and if you matter, you have to know who is factoring you in. So if I say, Pete, uh, we have a party. I really need you to be here at 10 because I, you know, I, I want you here. I need your support and blah, blah, blah. I factored you into my equation. That means you have meaning to my life. You serve a purpose. Right. I know who you are. I know I can depend on you for whatever the thing is. And that is what we're looking for. That simple criteria, that simple formula. Who am I? Why do I matter? If I'm being factored in, I know that I matter. I know who I am because of the people around me and how they treat me how I show up for them, how they show up for me. That relationship defines me in that moment. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's what we're talking about amongst men. But the the conversation amongst men is different than your relationship with a company. It's different than your relationship with a lover. Uh, It's different because of the societal expectation of men is different. Right? So, to me, there's a lot of different uh, ways of being a man, uh, quote unquote man, uh, ways of being masculine, right? There's many different ways of showing up. And again, this is, I think, what we're really talking about, ways, the way that we are showing up. What do you think? The way, yeah, exactly. The way that... uh men uh men uh are showing up um i'm trying to think of uh i'm trying to pull a specific uh conversations that i've had you know with with different people um well i i, I guess i guess I, in in my experience i've i've noticed that there's a lot of men that I know that, that don't have these kind of conversations that don't, they don't feel safe or, or they don't, or, or they are putting on that, what, what they think society wants them 
to believe, to, 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 to be. And I think that's like, that's the thing that I always feel uh, a little resistance is, ah, and I wrote it down, <laughs> vulnerability. And, 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 and being vulnerable uh, enough to take in information that, you know, this, this, is, this thing is possible. Um, I, I think going back to our story, there were many times when I was like, is this okay? Is this okay for me to feel this way? Is it okay for me to think this way? And the only place that I had was to go back to my narrative, to my experience. And I never had, <laughs> and, and the thing was, is it was a box. It was a surprise box. It was like, I've never, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've never experienced this, but it was just saying I can, just giving myself permission that I can and, and going forward. And so I knew that, I mean, I didn't know at the time, but looking back on it is I had to be in, in, a, in, a, in a state of mind or state of being where I was vulnerable to accept what was being offered. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> um, but yeah. Pontificate, Pete, pontificate. Pontificate? <laughs> Let me, you can help me with a word. What, in, 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 the, in Chinese, and I'm not too sure if it's Mandarin or because the, the language is so old. What is X-I-N, how do you pronounce Xin? Is it X-I, it's X-I-N. Yep. Is Xin? Xin. Yep. Uh, but uh, depending on what tone you want to do. Okay. Yeah. There's a there. So one of my one of my issues, like many Americans, is the fact that we read like Confucianism and Taoism and shit. And we look at the big concepts because they're easy, and we don't look at the smaller ones. And one of the concepts that I think Confucius first kind of really dropped on us, and it, it was kind of a smaller supporting narrative, was Xian, mm -hmm. right? And it's kind of like trustworthiness right it's like you know it's being a man of your word it's really what it really what it means right and then so you get this thing called xian qi right with qi being a life-giving energy a force whatever you want to call it but when you put the two together what it really speaks to is the energy that another person feels when you say that you're going to do this thing Right. You're like, I'm going to do a podcast. And, and can you help me with the podcast? They're like, yeah, we're going to do the podcast. That energy from when you say that you're going to do the thing. Right. You're all they're all charged up and they're ready to go. And that's the forward momentum, the energy that you need to move mountains, to lead men. When you say that you are going to do it's the active forward propelling thing. And when you keep your words, you keep the momentum going, you keep the energy going, right? But what happens when you don't do that? That energy goes negative, right? And it starts coming back in this negative form. It's like this dude said he was going to do the thing and he didn't do the thing. It becomes resentment, right? It becomes a mistrust, a distrust in the individual, 
right? It's like you keep telling me and telling me and telling me, blah, 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 and it's not happening. I can't, we can't form a bond around this thing. I can't get excited for you because you keep changing this energy in me. You fill me up and then poison it. And now I'm sitting here with this poison that the only, and the only way I can get it out is to give it back to you. And it creates this negative relationship. Creates this negative relationship. That's him key, right? And for me, I'm like 47 years old and I'm just getting started at trying to do that, right? I'm trying to learn now how to show up in this way for other people, right? But Americans call it integrity, integrity. But the root word of integrity is, is integral. It's something that's a necessary component of it, but it can't be integral if you don't know how to integrate it. If you don't know how to bring it in, what's the process? And that's what Confucius outlined was a process. Say what you're going to do and then do it and you'll reap that energy back many, many times stronger, right? Do what you say you're going to do and you'll reap it back. But then there's, I can't pronounce the word, but then there's the opposite of that. You get no energy when you, when you don't sign up for it and you don't do it. It's a neutral space. You don't have to say mm -hmm. that you're going to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's okay to say no. It's okay. And that was a hard thing for me to learn is that it's okay for me to say no if I don't want to do it. I would sign up for 50 million things that I didn't want to do. And then I wouldn't show up and then people would be disappointed. And then there's that negative energy coming back at you. If you just say no, then there's no energy expel expended between either person. So this is an energetic exchange that, you know, result, if you do sin key right, it results in male bonding on the highest level. Because this is what we go through as sports. If you've ever played a sport, a team sport, pick up your block. I expect you and you and you to pick up your block. I expect you to run your route. And I'm and the quarterback throws it to where you're going to be. He doesn't throw it to you. He throws it to where you're going to be because it depends that everybody's going to do what they say they're going to do. That's how men bond. We, we create dependence on each other because we are consistent with each other. So I think that's where it starts. And for me, I'm just learning this. But this is where gangs come in and mafias and all these other things, knowing that they that men have an inherent desire to be held accountable for what they say and what they're going to do. Say that you're going to run an errand for a mob boss and you don't do it. Yeah. They're going to hold you accountable for it, right? Don't pick up that block when that guy comes through. That quarterback's going to hold your ass accountable for it, right? We love these structures. To me, this is the foundation of um, masculine bonding and connection. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Dude, <laughs> I can talk, man. You can cut me off at any time, man. Just, <laughs> no, just throw me no, out there because no. you know I'll talk forever, bro. <laughs> That's the, the, <laughs> That's why that's why we're doing this. No, this is <laughs> yeah. 
this is the this is the juicy stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, choo, 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 choo. Yeah. Right. Um, or they're falling asleep like. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you don't have to believe yeah. me. Believe whatever you feel like believing. But this is yeah. what a 47-year-old man realized he spent the bulk of his life not doing it. Right? Yeah. So you can learn. What, what do you say? Uh, a smart man learns from his own mistakes. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Mm. Right? Mm. That's what this is about. I'm just giving you the information that I got. I didn't real. I thought I had integrity. Mm. But this part was not integral. I wasn't born with this model. Right. right now, I have a frame and I can start integrating it into my life. Mm. Once it's integrated, then I have integrity. Really simple process. Yeah. Right? So, hmm, I got to think about this. <laughs> uh, you got me thinking. All right. Now, um, Good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> uh, okay. Cause because lots of times we, we find that there are there are men who feel pressure that they can't I mean I, and, and, and just like you gave the example, sports. Right. Sports is always a uh, especially, you know, here in the United States, but also in other countries, too, depending on, on, on what they're doing. Um, they have that framework. They have the the uh, even though the the spe specific roles. Right. You have your coach, you have your manager, all <laughs> these things. But let's take it to the home or, you know, the streets or you know, everyday, uh, everyday people. Um, why do you think, cause, okay, I remember working in the schools and I always remember the, the challenge that I had with young men was them recognizing that they could have something other than what what they what they have at home, what they you know what they grew up with, uh, but I think that's always the challenge. And I was even even in on a conversation the other day where they brought that up. It, it's like you know, <laughs> this is so bad of me to admit, but they were talking about working with youth, right? And I was like, oh, I've had it up to here with youth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <sighs> I mean, it, it's just, I mean. Because they, 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 they need their time to learn and, and to live life, to experience. Um, but maybe that's why it takes us so long, because we need to experience a whole lot of pain. I don't know. It's like, what, what, like when you think of that, do you have uh, thoughts uh, on, on what can help those situations uh, where the kid... I mean, I guess it's case by case basis, right? I mean, it's like that's where these programs are, are developed, so so the men, the young boys, can learn uh, in a specific way. Uh, uh, like we we always talk about boxing and and and, and these different uh, gyms and, and how boxing, you know, is how how it can train the youth, uh, the the young boys, and 
to learn these qualities as, as men. Um, but I just keep on thinking about that. It's like, uh, like you mentioned it, you mentioned your narrative. I mentioned mine, you know, a, a, a different, a different context, but we all, and is this the word that you, that you brought up to me? Uh, many years ago that I always fall back on and, and kind of like I'm, I'm sharing with others, uh, deprivation, deprivation, privation, Pri privation. Okay. Privation is an inherent lack of something that that person feels it should be essential to their existence. Hmm. Like everybody feels like they should have a mother and a father when they were born, hmm. you know, like they feel like they should have that when you have a privation you're born without those things that you think are essential. When you have a deprivation, those things were taken from you. Uh, taken, right. Right? So those are two different things, right? And so, um, no, I think what we're talking about is ha not having implicit and explicit conversations with our youth. Yeah. Right? Again, when we talk about sports, what we're really talking about is mock combat. Hmm. Right. It's how we organize ourselves to accomplish that goal. Right. And there's a hierarchy. There's, you know, the team captain and that cat team captain talks to the coach and that coach uh, gives him information that uh, captain disseminates amongst his people. And then they operate in a way where they're following orders. Right. Where they're and they're led by this person. It doesn't matter whether it's war. It doesn't matter whether it's football. It doesn't matter whether it's basketball. It's still the same thing. But what makes these things work, especially for men, is the fact that we have a desire to have a group of people hold us accountable for our actions, for what we do and what we don't do. When we make implicit conversations, what we're really doing is saying, um, I, I don't know about Asian people, but like, let's just say, uh, you know, a, a minority group has said, my kid, if you fail us, you're going to be dishonored. You're going to dishonor the family. That's not an implicit agreement with me and my father. That's a, a cultural narrative that's, that's kind of pushing me into doing this thing. You know, there's nothing mm -hmm. worse than failure and you'll bring shame upon our family. Right. That's not an implicit, I mean, that's not an explicit agreement between the parents and the child. But a coach says, Get out there, block your man, do this thing. If you don't, mm -hmm. there's going to be a consequence. You know, and if you don't want to do it, get off the court. That's a very explicit conversation. And men thrive under those conditions. Mm. We thrive under those conditions. The other condition where it's a cultural norm, you can never escape it. I can always not opt into the explicit conversation. Like, forget, I'm not picking up my man. Screw that. I'm sitting on the bench. Or I'm quitting the team. You can't quit. You're going to bring shame on my family. You know what I'm saying? You can't quit that. You can't let that go. That's going to follow you the bulk of your life. And it's going to start with school. It's going to move to your job. It's going to move to your family. And then you're going to start pushing it on your kids. Because you felt like that implicit conversation gave you the motivation to get to where you needed to be, but really it took away every other avenue that you wanted to take. It removed you from the equation. 
So we have to have explicit conversations between men. If I say I'm going to show up and help you move, I'm going to show up and help you move. If I say I'm going to drop off stuff at your house, I'm going to drop off stuff at your house. I have to do what I say I'm going to do. Mm. Mm. So it's like what you're talking about is, is, yeah, going back to that framework. Framework to be to to be held accountable, but. Coming back to you holding yourself accountable and in a sense for others and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. In a nutshell. <laughs> um, well, we can yeah. we can have a mock conversation right now. Like, mm -hmm. let's just say, um, you're move you're you move you're moving right, and, I, and you say, Orpheus, I I want to, I want you to help me move on Thursday. You know, I want you to help me move, right? Is that an explicit conversation? Uh, no, it, ne it needs to be more specific, right? Right. And you say, I, I need you to show up at my house on Thursday ready to help me move because I have to be out by this time. Right. Can I depend on you to show up for me in this way? Yes or no? Mm. Done. Done. But people don't want to say, oh, I don't want to be rude. I mean, that's kind of... That's kind of that's kind of mean. When you're friends, you can say what it says is there's a certain amount of urgency there. You need me, and as your friend, I'm going to be there. But if you say, "Well, I need you to help me move," well, when? Uh, you know, like Thursday. Mm, let me see if I can do it. <laughs> and then nobody does anything, and now you're thinking, "No, oh, your friend didn't show up for you," but you didn't ask, you didn't tell him to show up for you. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember moving the couch. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was it was a it was a fond memory. <laughs> we need we also need reasons to work together. Yeah. Mm. We need to find catalyzing things that catalyze the relationship because you can you you don't know who a person is until you've had to work with them too. Mm. you know what I'm saying like is this person going to show up for you in this way well maybe he's not that type of friend I'm not the type of I'm, I'm going to say it I'm not the type of friend to help people move but I'll show up for you all the other times right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hate helping people move like I hate it and I just won't sign up I'm like I'll go to the Home Depot and get somebody right. send them over <laughs> He's this dude's working in my stead, you know. I'm just gonna sit here, you know, but but I still show up. Yeah, and and you offer you've offered your truck many times too. Yeah, yeah. But if way. I if I can do it, I will. Yeah, but I don't want the pressure of what people think a friendship is. I don't know what somebody else's idea of what a friendship is, mm -hmm. and so I shouldn't be expected to like. Well, you're a friend. You're supposed to help me move. No, that's an explicit conversation. I didn't, you know, I mean, an mm -hmm. implicit conversation. I didn't explicitly say that I would do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Hmm. I have, I have more to think about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope no. I'm not saying too much, no. man. No. Tell me to scale it down if it needs to be scaled. No, it's great. It's great.
Um, so I'm just looking at the time to see. Yeah, to see. Um, was there was there anything else specifically that that you wanted to bring up regarding mm, meaningful connections, uh, either forming or sustaining uh, for for men? Anything yeah. else you want? I yeah. think I think that there's I think there's in the same way people talk about love languages, I think they also have uh, friend languages. You know what I mean? Like how we communicate with each other and how people express their friendship. And we can't expect every friend to have to speak the same language. True. We have to hear what the language is that you use and say, hey, you know what? That's good enough. Right? Some people are the type of friend that want to take you out. They want to buy you stuff. It's like, hey, I'm buying dinner for everybody. And that's their love language. It's providing. Some people show up for you to move your couch. That's their thing, right? Some people are going to be the guy you talk to at 3 a.m. after your girlfriend broke up to you. You know what I mean? That's that person. You know, there's a guy who's going to get into a fight with you. He's going to defend you. He's going to... We can't expect all these people to be the same person. You know, I mean, we have to, what is your friendship language? Let me be fluent in not only my friendship language, but yours, so I can speak your language. And then you learn mine so that we can create this relationship. I mean, Mm -hmm. people can hear how we talk now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I talk very differently than you, right? But I'm I've learned, you know, what I mean, like I'm I, I, I try to learn Chinese concepts a lot more because you're my friend. Right. So we can talk culturally, not just colloquially. Right. I'm the type of person that will research your culture and your martial arts style and listen to things about your family, know your sister's names and all these other things, because that's the type of friend I am. I am not the type <laughs> of friend that will help you move. Right. And I'm okay with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll loan you my truck, but I'm not lifting shit to get in there. You know what I mean? Mm. But that's okay because that's because that's my language. You can depend on me to speak my language with you and for you. Right. You're going to get into a fight. Remember, I didn't want you to get into a fight with that dude because he was much more advanced than you. I'm like, I'm going to catch this fade, even though I'm, uh, you know, I have legal, I had legal issues. Mm. Right. I'm that type of friend. So we have to be more accepting of the types of friends we have to say, I can depend on this person for that thing, for what he has said he is explicitly on the hook for. And I just feel like he's just supposed to be this universal good guy. Right. Right. Um, That's really interesting that you brought up the five love languages because the last two weeks, no joke. I've been having conversations about that. And then uh, even me and my girl <laughs> last week, or sorry, on, on Saturday, we actually sat down and figured out kind of where we're at. And uh, yeah, you know, just to, t- just to, to take a page from, from, from you and your, your, your family, your relationships. Um, um, what is it like? Uh, I want to say protocol, but more like um, taking the time required, even if it's writing it out, uh, you know, it's like putting it on paper. I think that's, I think, I think you said that a few times. 
Yeah. Um, that's explicit, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's what that is. You're being explicit. You know, a contract is it's supposed to be written explicitly. You know what I mean? Like, we can make handshakes and mm. figure it out later, but relationships run on being explicit. Yeah, and it's and it's been it's been beautiful. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah, I think like, the five love languages books is stupid as hell, but you know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so are are those are those uh I mean there there's like oh, yeah, five five points, but are are is that exactly what you're talking about? Like uh to some uh, extent. The the okay. framework around it, yes. Gotcha. You know, but but I look at relationship books like I look at ba parenting books, right? Parenting books don't make you a better parent, but people who read parenting books tend to be better parents mm -hmm. because they're making the investment in the thing. A person who wants to read relationship books tends to be better at relationships because they take an, a little extra time. They want to have a little bit more information. They're the type of person who's really uh introspective about who they are and the relationships that they want to have. So again, those books don't make you better, but the type of people who would read those things tend to do better in those relationships. So again, love languages, I can find 50 million faults in that thing, but as a framework to better help us understand this conversation, I think it's a great analogy. Yeah. I'm glad that you, sh I'm glad that you brought that up uh, because, um, I think that that really shows people that you know friends are are good as they are, mm -hmm. and and uh, you know you've brought that up many times. Uh, you know you are enough as you are. Yeah, and we can see our attachments. We can see our attachments when we feel hurt about a friend not showing up in the way that we want them to, right? It's like, no, that's the type of friend he is, and you want him to be something else, mm -hmm. right? You're attached to an expectation of who you want him to be and not seeing him for who he is, yeah. right? And that's really, and that doesn't matter whether it's your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your best friend. These people are who they say they, who they, say they are. We just want them to be more and or mm -hmm. different. So, but that's my fault. That's mm -hmm. not theirs. That's my fault for wanting something that they couldn't provide me with. Right. Right. And acknowledging it and, and recognizing it and taking action. Yeah. And taking yeah. Uh, some accountability. Mm -hmm. Accountability. Yeah. Right. That's, that's it. You know, if, if we go into a relationship, if I go into a relationship with a woman and she goes out with a guy and I say, you cheated on me, but we never talked about what cheating is. Mm. Then really, can I be mad at that person? Right. Because I had this in implicit, like, you know what you should and shouldn't do. Right. Well, maybe she didn't, or maybe she used it as a loophole, but that's my fault for not being explicit about what cheating is. Right. Right. You know what I mean? That's why sitting down with, and putting it on paper is really important. I know people who do that and actually frame them up on the walls, right? You know what I mean? Like the, the parameters so that they can be reminded or if something comes up, they can, they can change it. But it's always there as a reminder of the agreements that we made. Mm -hmm.
Hmm. Right there, right there, uh, visually for you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Einstein had one, you know, a contract. He's one of the most famous people who had a contractual relationship with his wife. Wow. That's awesome. Hmm. <laughs> well, okay. Um, so I, I want to, uh, I want to try something. Um, again, this is the first, uh, get, you're my first guest. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you for, thank you for doing this. Um, you know, everyone, j just so you know, Orpheus Black is, has been on, uh, uh, a lot of different podcasts, uh, a lot of different, um, other, other platforms. And, uh, if you're looking, um, if you'd like to hear some of those, uh, like I was, I was watching the one that you did, um, about masculinity, uh, uh, healthy masculinity. Uh, last night mm. I was watching it. Uh, the one where you, you're wearing the red. Uh, yeah. So, um, and there's just, there's just a lot of, uh, great, uh, information, but I want to try something. <laughs> um, <laughs> we could see if it works or not, but, um, so I have five questions I wanted to ask you. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's just it. like a Jimmy Fallon, you know, thingy. So, all right. So, and whatever pops, boom. Uh, your favorite, your favorite word. My favorite word. Uh, semiotic totalitarianism. Wow. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, uh, uh, if you don't, if you don't know what that is, look it up. Okay. Because um, I'm gonna be doing that right now. Okay. Um, um, okay. Um, your favorite color? Black. Nice. Favorite animal? Tiger. Awesome. Okay. Um, okay. This is. Uh, Orpheus likes to use this, uh, this, uh, saying pushing the edges. So I'm going to push the edge right here. Um, when this is all said and done, not, not the podcast. <laughs> um, when this is all said and done, what would you, what's, what would you like to be remembered for? Like, what would I like on my tombstone? <laughs> yeah. There's two. There's two things that are coming to mind. I don't know which one to use. Um, you, you can share both if you like. Well, on my tombstone, he tried. Mm. You know what I mean? And mm. um, remembered is a is as a man who just wanted soup. I love oh. that story so much. Oh, I remember you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. That that I think sums up my whole existence, you know. Mm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, which just ties back in with what we've been talking about in this episode. If you had one piece of advice, ritual, or practice that you could share with us to put into practice, put into practice more, uh, what we've been talking about, uh, explicit, uh, 
uh, having more explicit uh, conversation, more explicit, um, uh, yeah, conversation, uh, sharing, and then uh, ultimately to create, you know, more meaningful uh, connections in our relationships. Um, what would be yours that you could pass on to the listeners out there so they can begin their, their process? Hmm. I know I just dropped it on you. I know. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. Space, place, time, man. Every ritual has space, place, time. And so if I had to put that into advice, um, Take the time to make safe spaces for other people and you'll always have a place to be, mm. right? Mm. Everything becomes worth the sacrifice. Mm. Said like the man, <laughs> the man Orpheus Black. Okay, um, thank you. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, the last thing that uh, I think, I think, uh, we're gonna start wrapping up here, uh, but um, I, I want to make sure that we we let the listeners know where they can find you, um, where they can look up, you know, learn more about you and uh, uh, like that. But did you have anything else um, that you wanted to uh, add uh, to to wrap up our our, our conversation today? Um, you can find me at orpheusblack.com. Or on uh, Orpheus dot black dot twelve on uh, Facebook or um, Instagram. Um, you can search Ask Orpheus dot uh, Ask Orpheus dot blogger, where I have uh, my blog up. It's it's not really updated, but you can find more about me. And uh, just be kind, be kind to one yeah. another. So there you go. All right. Well. Uh, on behalf of me and and the Pete Wong podcast, I'm so honored, grateful um, to have my best friend, um, my best friend. I'm never, ever shy to say that. <laughs> yeah. If I'll make you a little ashamed, I'm not pushing the edges enough. <laughs> <laughs> we, st we still got time. We still got time. Um, uh, um, but no, this has been great, and uh, I hope I hope uh, I hope you'll be up to returning, and we'll pick another topic, and we can give everybody a little bit more insight into into um, you know our our the conversations that we have, and uh, um, but. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate today. And um, also, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my buddy Josh. Uh, uh, you can find him at D, uh, Dijo, D-Y-J-O Media uh, for helping set up, um, helping us set up this uh, recording for, with, the, with the guests. Mm. And, uh, you know, outside of what I've been doing uh, with, the, with the reading of the books, this is, this is something we've been planning and, and like you said, Orpheus, like we're going to do the podcast. And then your energy just surged me even more. Mm -hmm. And when you said me, when I asked who, what, what, you know, who would like to be a guest, uh, uh, or, or, or even co-host, <laughs> um, 
I just, you know, that's where it started, and that's 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 where we're starting. So, yeah. Well, so, thank you. Yeah. It's great. It was an honor to be on your show, to be the first guest, and uh, sorry about the ranting. <laughs> Maybe you'll cut that out, make that back, back uh, the footage, the footage uh, B roll or something. But uh, it was great. I look forward to doing it again, and uh, love your show. And I hope uh, it takes off, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, brother. All right, all right, uh, everyone. Well, that's that's a wrap for this week uh, with our incredible guest, uh, the Guru Orpheus Black. And um, we'll catch you all next time on the Pete Wong Podcast. Oh, and uh, always <laughs> remember, you are loved, you are enough, and you are worthy. Blessings to all of you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. And remember, you are loved, you are enough, and you are worthy. Blessings to all of you.